Hey everyone, it's Matt here. What you're about to hear is the PAX special recorded live at PAX and uh, although I mention it that there's going to be interviews spliced in between, I've been super sick in the last week so in the interest of getting this out and not delaying it any further, uh, we'll just throw in those interviews in the next episode which we'll record hopefully this week if I'm feeling better and also apologies for the sound quality of this recording. We tried to find a really quiet room to record it in but you know, apparently that's not possible at a huge convention so or expo, so uh, apologize for that. Please forgive us, and I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Drop it, gaming. Drop it, gaming. Drop it, gaming. Drop it, gaming. Hello, welcome to the Drop Bear Gaming PAX edition, PAX Australia edition. I'm here with Susie. Hello. And Chad. Hi. Is, Chad is a man who is a fantastic guy. Wait, why don't you tell us what you do? Uh, uh, lots of stuff. I work at a university. I work at the University of Adelaide at the School of Education. And I do gaming on the side. Got a research interest in educational technologies and game-based learning. So I go to game shows, write some stuff, run a small website, and uh, I'm do guest stuff like this. So thanks for having me. No worries, no worries. Uh, so obviously I am Matt. This is Drop Bear Gaming, and um, yeah, geez, it's day three. It's been pretty busy. Yeah, we're probably all feeling a bit flat. So <laughs> for those monotone of you who, podcast. <laughs> those of you who heard the last podcast will know that Susie has not been well, and so it's been. Bit, it's been huge. <laughs> but you made it to PAX. That's awesome. Yeah. So work tired me out, but I still made it three days of PAX. So I guess that says something. You got the day off tomorrow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't work Mondays, so. Sweet. <laughs> So it's been your highlight? Has it been worth coming? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, highlight, probably, I really liked the indie showcase. I think I've been more impressed with the indie games that have been presented rather than the big names like Ubisoft and um, Nintendo, and, Nintendo and Wargaming and things like that. So, I mean, all of those have been super busy, um, but... Um, yes. If, if I was to say a bigger name, probably Half Brick is probably the best that I went to aside from the Indie Showcase. Yeah, did you um, did you play their Colossatron, their new thing that they no. just announced? Um, Matt. That's, yeah. Yeah, what's... Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's pretty fun. I liked it. Yeah. That's Total weird. mobile gaming thing, right? So yeah. So it's like it's got this passive gameplay thing where you're this big monster destroying a city. So it's like... Rampage style thing, <laughs> but uh, you know you can then you can do some stuff. You add pieces and you can focus fire stuff as well. So yeah, and the, the pieces you add together, like you like they, so they're different coloured uh, blocks that you drag into your little what is it, like a it's like a massive thing? centipede thing, yeah. right? You know, and uh, and like a snake that's going through this top down view of a city and destroying stuff, and the you get points, but it's the damage that you're doing to the city. So, you know, you knock down a building, get $50,000 worth of damage, and that's your score at the end. You've done so much amount of damage to the city. So, it's a nice little concept, yeah. There's not many games that reward you for damaging things. I think the last that I recall would have been um, Burnout Crash. Yeah. I think, I think the little arcade game where you... 
Yeah. Just drive into an intersection yeah. and try to cause as much havoc with the damage as possible. It's the yeah. same in um, Burnout Paradise. Burnout Paradise, Paradise yeah. And you do that uh, vaulting, that jumping stuff, and yeah. just keep it going and keep yeah. it going. Yeah, Burnout yeah. Crash was like a, an iOS and, and it. Android, was it on it PC? Was arcade. Arcade, it was arcade, yeah. arcade so on it was the like Xbox. Top uh-huh. down, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, and so. uh, what else there? I, there's little mini games like that. So yeah. that's a mini game in Burnout as well. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. And, it was. Um, and GTA type stuff, you know, yeah. doing damage. So. Uh, Saints Row Third had some stuff like that as well. Yeah, with um, try to cause as much havoc as you can. Rampage mode. Rampage, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, no, in that Colossatron, the uh, the little little segments come in and you can put them together different colours and if you get three of the same colour it turns it into a super gun like if you put them all together and then like different colours go together so a blue and a red turn into a purple one which is a special weapon as well so and I think the green ones will like to heal you or something so you've got to space them out throughout the thing yeah so I didn't figure that out. I just put them wherever <laughs> yeah I, there was a girl woman talking to me and standing next to me telling me how it worked and um yeah, so it's, you know, classic half-brick game. Simple idea with a bit of complexity as well. Yeah. yeah. Pick up and play, play it on the bus or whatever as you're on the way to work. You know, it's the kind of thing I'm ne- not going to sit down and play for three hours straight, but, you know, yeah. it's a little bit of fun. It'd be good. Do you think they'd ever make a Connect release like Fruit Ninja? Because you can't really play Fruit Ninja Connect on the bus. That'd be interesting. <laughs> 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 it would be Take interesting. Take connect on the bus. <laughs> Start hitting people. Sorry, lady. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think it could work, actually. Yeah, cool. Man, it is noisy in here. <laughs> um, you can tell we're actually at the show. It's authentic, man. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, I mean, the indie stuff has been the highlight for me as well. I haven't even gone. Like, I stopped in at Ubisoft to play Rayman Legends. Yeah. And um, I'm planning on going to see, you know, Pro Evolution Soccer and Castlevania and all that stuff. But for the most part, just been hanging around the Indies. I just feel so good for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You've got to give it to the little guys. Yeah. So what you can actually hear is probably one of the tournaments or something, isn't it? Like, that's what's causing a lot of the noise. Yeah. Or, or World of Tanks. Yeah, I'm just glad that they make this nice quiet area for the media to do their work and then put the main theatre next to it. Fantastic. Good planning. Um, But that is one of the interesting things. We'll get back to the Indies because that's been my highlight as well. But one of the interesting things is the the energy that's uh, built around... uh, They've got a huge League of Legends uh, kind of theatre thing. And uh, there are... the, The Penny Arcade guys were commenting on this. Stacks of people watching a League of Legends tournament. And I've not played League of Legends, but I've heard that some people are into it. And um, yeah, a few, a few, yeah. But the the audience was totally into it. It was like cheers would go up, and it was really energetic and exciting. And that's one of the things that uh, there's a lot, been a lot of talk about is the rise of esports and packs being a potential, uh, you know, fertile ground for building esports in Australia. And that's an interesting sort of thing to watch out for. I yeah, definitely. It's getting it's getting bigger and bigger, and and I think the energy just seeing. Um, whether they're the World of Tank players or the League of Legends players, like just how they've got this real sense of community with each other. Yeah. And it's almost, it's not even second nature to me. Yeah. I, I feel like an outsider looking in, in a way. Like yeah. It's like a whole new level of gaming and gaming that 
I just can't relate to because I don't play it. So therefore, it's like, okay, cool. But I've played StarCraft too, and that's one of the games that yep. is big in the esports community. Yeah, and especially South Korea. Yeah, and like people say, like, oh, do you see that stream of that StarCraft tournament? And I'm like, I have no interest. <laughs> I love StarCraft, but like, I would rather play a game than sit and watch it. But having said that, you know, some of them, you know, the speed that they build and all that kind of stuff, it's pretty interesting, pretty fun to watch. Yeah. And they get into it and they get prizes and stuff, so all power to them. Yeah. Yeah, there's been uh, some people doing uh, some really interesting research recently on StarCraft and uh, looking into the way people play StarCraft and it's kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, cognitive psychology research around how people play StarCraft and expertise. So what makes an amazing StarCraft player different from someone else. And what's actually happened is StarCraft has overtaken chess as the game of study, the game of choice for this. Because what they used to do is watch chess players because it's a complex game that requires higher order strategic thinking and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But StarCraft is so much better because they can gather all this data and they, you know, it's all it's all in the system. It's all in save files and all that sort of thing. So they can find out stuff like, you know, players who do really well at StarCraft have many, many more clicks per minute or clicks per second. They just do more stuff. And they also have a wider range of viewing across the map and things like that. So StarCraft's a really interesting one from the eSports perspective and also that kind of psychology and learning perspective as well, yeah. Oh, it sounds too cerebral for me. (laughs) (laughs) You you know what's not? World of Tanks. (laughs) That was pretty pretty interesting. I had an interview with uh, Jasper Nickel, is that his name? Uh, Someone. Um, I just call him Jasper. Jasper. Not that I call him anything because I've never met him. (laughs) Yeah, really nice guy, really interesting and... uh, you know, I asked him a couple of hard questions and he was telling the good story. So talking about, uh, you know, uh, wargaming and World of Tanks and how they uh, work with museums and they're trying to give something back to the community and trying to develop a strong community and, um, you know, trying to develop international links as well, like breaking down national rivalries by getting people into this kind of international competition and stuff. So... Yeah, so that's cool. It's a pretty mm. large scope. Yeah. And it's coming out on 360, or is that already available? You... Coming out, I think. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's available it. yet. Yeah, they showed it at E3. Yeah. They had Old Mate come out, and he was like, yeah, this is World of Tanks. And I was like, awesome. Yeah. I'd probably be more likely to play it on 360. There's an iOS version coming out as well. Yeah. So they're really branching out. Yeah. Fair enough. Another one for your iPad mini. <laughs> yeah, the more the merrier. Um... Yeah, like so, so. During this podcast, we'll be either adding in between or adding to the end and beginning a bunch of little interviews that we've done, little thirty-second elevator elevator pitches for games. <laughs> That's been pretty fun. There, um, there's actually a lot of them have said that they've been approached by Sony to develop for the Vita, which, like, for little Australian devs, it's pretty pretty interesting that they're getting getting down to that level because, like, obviously Sony have been coming out saying you know we've been approaching indies but I didn't expect it to be at, to that level of like a one man development team doing uh, what's Deck War I think it's, it's like a card game yep. on the iPad where you just like it's like a field and you drag your cards out and it, for whatever the card is it creates a character and, and or a little army unit and the point is that, that it'll walk across and it has to reach the other side and the computers, it's also multiplayer, but the other person is putting down cards as well, and they make units, and they have to battle in the middle. 
Oh yeah. And you get more points if you can manage to get a guy over to the other side. And every time you kill a unit or a guy goes over the other side, the other person loses hit points. Yeah. And it's one man. He said it will be out next year. He's been working on it for a while. One man team, and he's been approached by Sony. So it's like that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. Incredible. Apparently, Sony are really good to work with. Uh, Microsoft are a lot harder to work with. That's what a lot of the indie devs say. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, oh, look at what happened with Fez. I think Fez is a good lesson for everyone in some respects. <laughs> the, the updating, patching fees. Yes. I think they're removing them, or at least massively lowering them, but I've heard they're going to remove them for Xbox One. But again, you need to have a publisher to publish. You can't self-publish on Xbox One, which is going to yeah. hold back a lot of indies anyway. Yeah. Even with their... Because Xbox announced they've got a deal with Unity. Yep. So that people can make Unity games for it, but without a publisher, I mean, I suspect the next step is going to be for them to say you can self-publish, but... Mind you, we'll I guess, see. we've seen some pretty good indie titles, keeping in mind that, you know, on the marketplace in the US especially, they do have indie titles that you can download, and I follow a few people on Twitter who do review the indie games, um, I, I know of a place called The Indie Mine, they specifically go out and review indie games. A lot of them are very hit and miss. You occasionally get a good indie game. Mostly they're not that great. So I think we've been pretty spoiled for choice here at PAX with the indie titles that are here because they've all been fairly impressive. They've taken on the feedback um, as a positive. So um, maybe maybe we're getting excited over a few titles, but that's not to say that every indie game is um, going to be as fun to play. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think it's a bit more uneven. I think that's, yeah. uh, that's fair to say. Yeah. Mm. But there's also a lot more innovation in indie games. That's what I find really interesting. So one of my massive highlights was Framed. Yeah. Uh, oh, by I Love Shack really Productions love or something. Yeah. Um, that was just like, it's this kind of, uh, it's a bit hard to explain, but it's a bit like an, an interactive comic strip. So you've got these frames of a comic strip and a narrative that runs through, and it's a puzzler as well. Yeah. So you've got to rearrange the order of the action to try and to get, get through. Yeah, get the get the get the guy who's running away from the police. It's kind of got quite kind of film noir aesthetic, you know, yeah. kind of crime it's, crime novel type. The thing. noir look about it really, like even just looking at the sign, I'm like, ooh. And the music's great, yeah. and it's just like mind blowing. Like it's it's that different and that innovative. So I think that's where. Um, that's where indie games have the strength is in yeah. that innovation and you just go wow you know, Antichamber is another one you know um, like you just go how did you come up with that you know yeah. but it's good with a lot of them because they are um, mobile and tablet gaming as well which is going to make them more accessible um, and certainly a lot cheaper than your average 90 to 110 dollar console new release game as well so yeah. just a few dollars in the app store and you've got this game and it'll be quite good but yeah definitely framed I think is one of the indie titles I've seen here at PAX that I will most certainly be getting my hands on what else did you like well we uh geez it's been mostly indies for me but um uh, the oculus rift gotta go with that at the VR Insanity booth. Yep. The, originally, I was not too sure what VR Insanity was. I thought they were just like distributors for the Oculus Rift in Australia, but it turns out they're opening an arcade bar 
which uh, could go either way on how that works out, how it plays out <laughs> with public liability. So the idea is... Yeah, no this. drinking. Yeah, well, the, the guy was saying, you know, and the interview will be on here, but he, he said, oh, you know, get people, have a few beers and play it, but it's going to be, you know, Oculus Rift on your head so you can't see where you're going. 360 yeah. degree treadmill on the ground, so no matter which way you turn, you can walk in on the spot and stuff oh. like that. Yeah, which is almost guaranteed to be arrested for a disaster. <laughs> yeah, I know. People. <laughs> Try running. Oh, zombies yeah. run. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, that's an interesting bit of kit, the, the old Oculus Rift. Yeah, I liked it. I found it kind of disorienting and really weird. Um, I, I, it takes some getting used to, you know, because the thing is you actually, you can't see in the real world. So, you know, they, they've put the headpiece on me and she had to grab my hand and put it over by the mouse and then she grabbed my other hand and put, put it over on the keyboard because I was playing the PC version yeah. and it was only because luckily I played a bit of PC and um, I knew I had that kind of the three finger configuration yeah. and was able to do it but one you know at one point in the game I you know got an itchy chin or something and scratched it and then went oh and I couldn't find the keyboard and I was like and I was looking and I couldn't actually see it it was really disorienting and weird and I think you were saying earlier that the, the tech needs to be developed further yeah. um, and refined um, it's a bit blurry and all of uh, all of that but uh, it's looking good it's really yeah, interesting it's got a lot of potential yeah so you think more safety features would be good like if there was like a body strap or something that would prevent you from <laughs> falling down or overall yeah the safety wee jacket's not going to do it hey <laughs> just probably a safety not. harness hanging from the roof you probably the like spot. the strap from a Wii controller <laughs> they should just throw the treadmill it, into your TV use it, <laughs> use it in conjunction with a connect and you're hanging from the roof in a safety harness and you just run and spot and the connect picks up your skeleton moving <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Maybe. I actually, if gaming's had safety harnesses that you could just hang them like a swing, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon. Actually, where's that panel where you pitch your game? I think we've already missed it. <laughs> That'd be. There'd be a lot of cases of muscle wastage, I'd say, from people just sitting in their safety harness all day playing games. <laughs> yeah. Gamers getting muscle wastage? Yeah, how would that happen? But that would be good on the Xbox One because it's an all-in-one entertainment hub, so you just sit in your suite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just give me a drip. I don't need to eat. One of the interesting indie games I saw was a thing called Dread Chase. Dread uh, Chase. Yeah, run by this guy or made by this guy. Again, a one-man army. You know, made it himself. He's done it in a fairly short amount of time. Uh, under a year he's been working on it. And it was very interesting. It was like, uh, if you've ever played Descent, do you remember it's Descent, the old 3D, uh, yes. three-dimensional shooter type thing, but it's got stealth elements and it's got kind of a neon, you know, futuristic aesthetic. Um, and it was looked incredibly complex. Like, I mean, I couldn't play it because he says, you have to play the, have to play the tutorial, you know, um, because... The controls are quite complex because there's stealth mechanics and all that sort of thing. But apparently when people get their heads around the controls, they absolutely love it. So um, not that accessible like a lot of indie games are, but I think it's kind of, you know, for a core gamer who's who really wants a really deep experience, that looks, uh, looks pretty interesting as well. I think that's, that is the difference between a lot of these releases. Is it going to be for the casual gamer or the hardcore gamer? 
that's probably where it's, there is a fine line with a lot of the releases. A, there's a nice mixture of it over yeah. there. Like there is these games that are for the core, and then there's ones that you can just pick up and play yeah. whenever you want, no matter how much experience you have with it. You know, a lot of the iPad games, like Toy Mania by the Voxel Agents, it's like they they pitch it as like it's like a Rubik's cube where you drag the colours together and when you get a certain amount together, more than three, it becomes three of the same colour, it becomes a toy. And you tap it and then you get points for how big it is. Yeah, it's like the it jewel in a Rubik's Cube or yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and like that, you can just pick, you don't even have to be, have, have it explained to you, you know, it just says drag, it shows you, if you don't touch it for a little while, it says, oh, drag, so you click and drag, and then when it's got a group, if you haven't touched the, the toy, it brings up a little graphic of like a tap, and it's like, tap this, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's just like, gives you little hints and clues and yeah. stuff, yeah. And it's like score attacking in a minute. Yeah, so. you get 60 seconds to see how much you can, how high oh. the score you can get. So every game is a minute long. Yeah. yeah. And that's perfect for, a, for an iOS game, because you just, I mean, it's on Facebook at the moment, they're it's in beta on Facebook because it uses Unity as well. Yep. And um, yeah, iOS and Android later this year. And so, like, once they've ironed out a few of the bugs, it should be pretty fantastic, I reckon. Yeah. Find a game you can just pick up. And it's perfect for the tablet style gaming as well because you just tap it and that's it. Like, not clicking a mouse, not moving sticks on a, on a controller. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to play it last night on my laptop because it's on Facebook, like I said. And, um, not very easy with a touchpad on a laptop <laughs> and even with a mouse I think it's definitely suited to a touchscreen kind of yep. iOS Android situation mm. yep. yeah but those are the, that's the standouts for me all, all about the Indies I mean the panels we went to the Susie and I got into the anime panel which was good but most of the panels the lines have been incredibly long so it's like oh line up for an hour or miss it yeah so and even then after you've done it they'll cut you off um, because some of the theatres can only fit so many people. Um, I know at uh, BioWare, um, for their presentation on Friday, people had lined up for two hours and they cut the line at one point, so it would have probably not been good if you were there for two hours at the end. And Especially if you were on a Friday-only pass too. That'd yeah. Be, I mean, they've been pretty good with it, doing head counts on the line, but... Yeah. Even with that, you know, people are sneaking into the line, I think, here and there. So. Yeah, it's part of the problem of being a new show, you know, so it's part of lining out the creases and things yeah, like that. growing but, pains. Yeah, they're definitely talking about uh, a new venue. Yeah. Um, so they're talking about having it at the convention centre, the Melbourne Convention Centre. So if they can actually have space for the panels and, you know, have theatres where with a streaming relay or something like that, overflow theatres, you know, some sort of some sort of contingency plan like that but I mean you know it's been my biggest frustration of the show as well but by the same token you know there's no point complaining about it because I already know <laughs> and um, you know it's just the nature of being the first packs as well but uh, the uh, the story time with Ron Gilbert the keynote the, the first like kind of session yeah. of, the, of the whole show was awesome it was really really good it was one of the best uh, one of the best things I've seen at a gaming show so um, yeah, Ron Gilbert's was just a legend in the industry and uh, you know, was really engaging, a great speaker and had a lot of really uh, thoughtful stuff to say about creativity and the process of game development. So yeah. that was a huge highlight for me. There's another the area that we, we brushed over on our first day, the big top. 
we uh, you know we spent the whole whole of Friday over in the expo hall checking out all these games, and then come Saturday we're like, hold on, there's this whole other area. You go over there, and that's where you know they've got the, the merchandise if you want to go buy some stuff. They've got the big handheld lounge, the retro area with the Commodore 64s and Ataris and stuff like that. Yep. You know, tabletop games over there. They've got console and PC free play where you can just go up. They've got like a library load of, of consoles there and a library of games for you to just go and be like, oh yeah, uh, I'll play Dead Space or Halo. And you just stay there. Like, I think you give your photo ID. Yep. They hold on to it, give you the game, and then you, when you return it, you bring it back and yeah. get your ID back. And, it's and the same with tabletop games as well. Yeah. So you go and pick up a, you know, a copy of I saw Shogun and Axis and Allies and all of that. There's a whole Magic the Gathering section as well. Where there's people playing Magic. So yeah, that's a really interesting thing. That's different to any game show I've ever seen before. Yeah. Is that there are a lot of people actually playing games, not just video games as well. Um, like the whole spread and people are actually gaming and doing it rather than just waiting in line to play the things that the big publishers are showing off and all of that which is interesting because that's not a money spinner right you know like PAX is not going to be making money off people borrowing games for free and playing it on tabletop you know but they do it because that's what the show's about so that's really cool engaging gamers and and, you know let them have a good time Yeah. yeah yeah They've got the um, handheld games you can borrow as well, but even in that handheld lounge with all the bean bags, I saw people sitting in circles playing Magic the Gathering. Yeah, yeah. On the floor there. Yep. You know. Yep. It's quite, it's quite a sight to see. Yep. I was so. up at the Big Top earlier this morning, and there was not one spare bean bag to be found. <laughs> it was everyone was in there, and it got to a point where people were just sitting on the floor without a bean bag. Yeah. So they were all sitting together. So. Uh, the beanbags were certainly a success, I think, for a lot of people. I was a bit concerned. I sat in one yesterday and I thought, I don't know if I can get out of this, but um, I probably should have just stayed there, so I'm still sitting in it now. <laughs> just like get four of them and pile them on top of you so you can hide under them. Yeah, oh, that's a good idea. Do someone else sits on them, yeah. yeah oh, look at all these four beanbags all together just for me to sit on. Oh, jump. My beanbag just coughed. <laughs> Um, Metallica Pinball, they got over there. Yeah, man. I well, I had a bit of. Uh, I was telling you earlier. I had a bit of a bit of an epiphany where, uh, yeah, Friday was a bit frustrating. I got to see a few panels on Friday, but there were a lot of things I didn't do. And then on Saturday morning, I started missing panels, and you know, you got to wait up. You got to line up for an hour and a half, two hours to make a panel. I was starting to get pissed off about that. You know, I'm not really happy because I was missing out on panels, which is what I really wanted to see. Mm. So I just kind of, you know. Kicked the, kicked the can a bit and uh, went to the retro, uh, the classic console area where, you know, I got a lot of mates from Retrospect, so shout out to Retrospect, um, that are running that, and just thought, oh, I'm just going to sit down and play some stuff, and I played uh, International Karate Plus on the Commodore 64 that I used to play, and um, Afterburner on the Seeger and stuff like that, and that was fun, that was good, that brought it back, and then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to have a good time, I'm going to play stuff, I'm going to do what I can do, I'm not going to get upset about things that I can't get into yeah. and went and played the Metallica game and uh, the Metallica pinball game I got 61 million two multi-balls it was awesome it was one of, one of the best pinball games I've ever had and I thought yeah this is what it's about I'm just going to do what I can see what I can enjoy myself get to the indies enjoy that and since then I've had a really good time I got over myself a little bit which is nice <laughs> 
Yeah, I've, speaking of highlights, I'd say Metallica Pinball was probably up there for me. Yeah, just fantastic. Did you get the multi ball, the right yeah. lightning multi ball? Yeah. How yeah. was that? Yeah. The guy in an in electric much. chair just starts like <laughs> fucking going crazy. Yeah, this bubble head, bubble, bubble head guy in the electric chair shakes around. It's, yeah, good bit of fun. The design of it, I thought, was was pretty cool. Um, I wish there was a flipper actually at the top. It's actually just got the standard two flippers yep. down the bottom. If it had one sort of at the top side, either left or right, it could have made it a bit more interesting. But um, I didn't have a misspent youth in an arcade on a pinball machine. In fact, I don't think I've played on a pinball machine for 20 years yeah. um, at the old skating rink. And I think it was a Kiss pinball machine <laughs> that I played on. That and Adam's Family, I remember. Adam's but Family was a good one, yeah. It was a good one. Um, but I feel yeah. a bit different about the third flipper because, um, in theory, I like the idea of having a third flipper because you can keep the ball higher and yeah. um, it adds a bit more interest. But I don't know, maybe I'm too focused. Maybe I can't multitask enough, but I never end up using it. And I always go, yeah. oh, it's just gone past. Oh, I forgot to use that third flipper. And it, it seems to me, like for me and the way I play, it ends up being a redundant design element. Yeah. So I actually like the two flippers because then you just focus on the bottom and it's cool, you're fine. You know? yeah. So, yeah, just... Uh, it would have been nice to, uh, for me personally if the save ball lit up for a bit longer because I, um, yeah, I think my highest score was three million. <laughs> so, um, I'm just going to need to go quiet. play it some more. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, most of my pinball experience comes from the Vita, Zen Pinball, and Pinball Arcade on there. Electronic which, pinball. Yeah, which, like, you, it's not quite the same as using a, a normal table, no. but you learn about, like, timing stuff and this uh, pinball arcade obviously is like exact re- like representations of real board, real tables that have been out so they like whereas send pinball is more arcadey and they put in crazy shit that you could never do in a fucking, fucking real table where like characters walk out and stuff like that pinball arcade is like exact rebuilds of the yeah. real tables so yeah. yeah but um it's another it's a good one because Although the ball sometimes just goes straight down the middle, it doesn't happen as often. Like some tables, there's a that certain all, spot it where it's happening to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some tables out there. I think the ACDC one is just a, atrocious for that as well, where like it'll hit a certain area, like a whole area of the table where it'll just roll straight down in the middle and you can't hit it with the flippers at all, which is just like. Yeah. making heaps of money for the fucking owner of the pinball table but it makes your biggest drawback to pinballs for me because uh, uh, yeah it ends up being that uh, pinballs are largely about luck right well not largely there's a there's an element of luck yeah. there, right you know and so when I was a kid I played pinballs occasionally but didn't really get into them that much because it was an element of luck you know and that could happen it could just go straight down the middle and there was nothing you could do whereas if you're playing a video game it's you know it's all up to your skill and if you die then you should be better or there's probably something you could have done to improve it and this makes me think of a um, friend and colleague of mine who we have different views on games and he's an analog gamer I'm more of a video gamer um, and he um, really doesn't like chess Chess is my favourite all-time game ever. Um, and we disagree on this precise point. He thinks that games should have luck. 
he reckons that a really good game will have an element of luck in it. I, I, I think the opposite. I think it should have zero luck. It should be completely skilled. Yeah. Chess is a great example. So he likes pokey machines? <laughs> is that the type of game? No, um, <laughs> things like card games and no, dice no. games. <laughs> oh, sorry. I just thought, you know, because there's a bit of luck with pokey machines. <laughs> yeah, mostly bad luck, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except mm, if you're drunk and... It goes bing, 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 and you go, awesome, I just want all this money, I'm putting it back in. Or when you're drunk and it doesn't do that, and you're like, fuck, I did that for a taxi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Um, yeah, so, packs. There we go, packs. We'll see you else? next year. Yeah, uh, hopefully it's, I mean, obviously, new venue next year, it's going to be a bit bigger. Yeah, warmer, hopefully. Oh, man, it's so fucking cold. Coming from Brisbane. Yeah, right. Cannot handle it. It is cold, but it's cold back at home for me. It snowed in Adelaide yesterday, apparently. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so in, in Mount Lofty. So it was one small, you know, hilly area. But, yeah, it, we can say it snowed. So uh, no. it feels like it should have snowed here yesterday. I don't think it's going to hit double digits today. And it's windy too, so, yes. Oh, well. I'm going to go play some more games. Cool. Me too. I'm going to go have a nap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that'll do us. Thanks. Okay, bye. 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 bye.